You're listening to Speak, Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. There is a part one to this episode, and in that, I tell about reading this verse on an airplane and how I related it to my life and reflected on a vacation I had just taken. So I won't repeat all that. You can go back and listen to that episode, but I will briefly summarize the idea that captured my thinking on that airplane, and it's that God gives each thing a unique beauty for us to engage And it's only available in the moment it happens. When I read that God has made everything beautiful in his time, I'm seeing that it's not only about waiting for the right moment, it's also about appreciating the right things in the moment we're in. So that's part one. In part two this week and part three next week, we're going to go deeper into that thought. So Ecclesiastes, it's an emotional book. There are some really strong statements. And in my assessment, some of the things that are written in this book are just gold. There are these clear, concise bits of wisdom, these timeless truths that apply to our lives. And some of the things written in this book, they sound like they only made it into the Bible because the Holy Spirit wanted to give us an example of how someone works out their troubled emotions. There are some verses in Ecclesiastes that you really don't want to make your life verse. In fact, when you read the book, it feels a bit bipolar. It bounces back and forth between these laments about the vanity of life and clarity about the meaning of life. So it goes from saying things like, all of this is a chasing after the wind, vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless, to saying things like, there's nothing better for a man to do under the sun. There's this chaos to order, confusion to clarity. So imagine these two different things in two different columns. I took notes on this, and I made two columns on my paper. And on one side, I put all the depressing thoughts, all the meaninglessness. And on the other side, I put all the inspirational thoughts, the ones that tell about the purpose of life. And both of these columns help us understand how to engage in the moment that God gives us. And some of them help us to understand how not to engage. This week, I'm going to focus on the depressing list. And next week, I'll focus on the inspiring list. So now, when you read through Ecclesiastes, there are several specific vanities that this wise man has tested, and he's been disappointed by all of them. And in highlighting each of them, we're going to see that these are the ways to not do it. These are not the ways to engage each moment and find the specific beauty that God has put there. All right, so try not to be too discouraged as we focus on the depressing verses. Chapter 1, verse 8 says, All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So that's the tone that kind of starts this book. So the first place that this wise man goes to find meaning is through wisdom. And chapter 1, verse 12 through 18, talk about the vanity of wisdom. It failed the test. So here's verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun. It is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, a striving after the wind. 
In verse 16, he says, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. In verse 17, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to understand the madness of folly. I perceive that it also is but a striving after the wind. So I'm taking all these tests to be a possible solution to how we best engage each moment God gives us. Wisdom is a great thing, but wisdom is not the key to seeing the specific beauty that God puts in each moment. There are very wise people who miss the beauty of the moment. His next test comes in chapter 2. I'm reading in verse 1. It says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. So this is not our solution either. We don't see the beauty in each moment just by pursuing pleasure as an end in itself. And Solomon, who we think wrote this book, he had pleasures available to him that aren't available to us. He was a king. He had a ton of money. Uh, Just look at how successful he was in his pursuit of pleasure when you go to chapter 2, verse 9, and read a few verses from there. It said, So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. So now he has pleasure and wisdom. Verse 10, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was the reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expanded in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. After that, he talks about the vanity of living wisely. Chapter 2, verse 12 through 17. He ends that section by saying, So I hated life, because what is done under the sun is grievous to me, for all is vanity, a striving after the wind. In the rest of the chapter, he talks about the vanity of toil. He has worked really hard. In verse 18, he says, I hated all my toil, in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to a man who will come after me. And writing about that for a bunch of verses, again, he concludes, this is a vanity, a striving after the wind. Engaging in the beauty that God puts specifically in each moment is not about being the wisest or squeezing maximum pleasure out of each moment. It's not about working hard. All of these seriously disappointed Solomon. In fact, some of these might even mask the beauty that God has intended for each moment. If we're preoccupied with working so hard or with all of our wise thinking or with gaining pleasure, we might not see what God is trying to show us. And if we continue with Solomon's despair, we might say, the beauty of a moment is just too elusive. We've tried all these ways to access it, and we can't find a way of consistently finding everything beautiful in its time. So then Solomon in chapter 3 talks about everything being beautiful in his time. And then in verse 16, he continues with another vanity. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, there was wickedness. So pursuing justice is also a vanity. It is not the key to treasuring each moment that God gives us. As Solomon says in chapter 3, verse 20, all are from the dust and to dust we all return. What he said is true, and he sees it as an injustice. Everyone dies, the good and the bad. He repeats this thought in chapter 9, verse 2. 
It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and the one who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. To Solomon, justice is a vanity, because in this life there is some measure of injustice that we can't do anything about. Well, he continues to talk about the vanity of money, chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is a vanity. So money also is not the way to access the beauty that God has in each moment. In chapter 6, verse 1, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all he desires, yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. So Solomon realizes that wealth also is not the way to access the beauty that God has placed in each moment. In fact, the wealth we work hard for sometimes goes to help others find enjoyment in the moment. And he says, this too is a vanity, a grievous evil. We don't find satisfaction in anything other than God. And that lesson is true and is one we should think about, but I want to take it further because we're applying this to how we engage in each moment. So if we believe that there is beauty to appreciate in every single moment, We've just been shown several methods of accessing that beauty that don't work. None of the things that Solomon mentioned are bad in themselves, like wisdom. That's a good thing. We should pursue wisdom, and pleasure is a gift from God. Money is a gift from God to be used for him. But in all of these things, what what Solomon is lamenting is that you can't stockpile these things, like become the most wise, and, and then rely on that stockpile to help you find the beauty in each moment of life. We can be wildly successful in any of these areas and not enjoy the moment that God has us in. So then the beauty is not about fixing the moment with our wisdom or purchasing the moment with our money or maximizing it with our pleasure or regulating it with our own sense of justice. And what it's not about gives us clues about what it is. And here's where I'm landing in my study of the depressing verses in Ecclesiastes is that finding the beauty in each moment is not about what I can make of the moment. It's about receiving the moment for what it is. It's not about what I can bring into it or how I can modify it with my wisdom and my money and my labor. All of these are ways of manipulating the moment to be better. But there's this simple way of living in the grace of Jesus where we don't manipulate the moment. We just receive it. We appreciate what it is. We value what God is giving us. We don't make the moment into something. We take the moment for what it is. And I'm a big fan of hard work. I love setting goals. I love accomplishing things. But I'm going to take a word of caution from Solomon that my great efforts to manipulate the moment might get in the way of what God's doing for me in each moment. 
I might get so focused on giving effort and filling the space and creating the moment that I don't notice and appreciate and receive and delight. What I'm seeing is that the beauty is about being in step with God in his time, in each moment for what it is. And I would rather have each moment with God than the most extravagant moment I could manufacture without him. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we have a part three of this message. And in that, we're going to see the inspiringness. It was all depressing today. But there's also some really good points of conclusion and some answers to these questions that are given in the book of Ecclesiastes. And that's where we're going next episode.